Hey guys, we are back again with another episode on psycho oncology with Alipti Singh, and today we'll be discussing psycho oncology from the perspective of therapists and staff members. Welcome to the show again, Alipti. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be back. So, firstly, how do you guys plan? Because every patient is different, every case is different. So, how does what is the first step? Yeah. So you actually answered your question yourself. Is it so? <laughs> so uh, there is actually no strict plan that we stick to, mm-hmm. because every patient is going to be different. Their requirements are going to be different. Their needs mm-hmm. are going to be different, and each case comes with a different perspective altogether. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there are a few things that are common mm-hmm. in the first session, and the first thing is that definitely when the patient is coming or the, when the person is coming, we would screen them for. different type of psychological disorders mm-hmm. so that would be interview based like we would be generally asking questions and that is mm-hmm. actually according to the DSM-5 ICD-10 criteria mm-hmm. which is the latest uh, version of the guidelines or uh, there are many gold standard questionnaires like the depression anxiety stress scale uh, the hospital anxiety depression scale or then there are a lot of psycho oncologically tuned uh, new scales and tools that have come up to screen for distress in cancer patients only so there is the distress thermometer or the emotional thermometer or the uh, mental adjustment to cancer scale so mm-hmm. these i mean uh, and i mean the list goes on it's a very it's quite a long list so we would mm-hmm. actually screen the patient for uh the level of their uh, disorder or the level of distress and what type of uh you know problem they are facing because not mm-hmm. everyone would be facing with the uh, altogether depression anxiety and stress or delirium right. or dementia or uh, and every patient presents themselves differently right so that ways uh, and then of course uh, the first session uh, actually goes in a uh, kind of introducing yourself to the person getting the person to introduce themselves to you knowing uh, their a little bit of their history a little bit of their background what kind of a state they are in knowing about their uh, you know cancer diagnosis and what stage they are in also um if uh, possible it happen mm-hmm. i mean i i especially definitely try to do it to as much extent as i can that i try and uh talk to the patients you know oncologist first as to what stage of cancer they are in what type of cancer they are facing what is right. their uh you know treatment regimen going on so that at least when i have that kind of an idea i can actually tailor my um you know the coping techniques or whatever i'm going to talk to them about their needs rather right. than just giving them uh you know a fixed menu of things that i'll just go and blabber on it's rather than uh, it's more than giving them it's a, more structured yeah it's right. more structured yeah. and then yeah. i mean you know even the patients they're like it's a cafeteria so you actually mm-hmm. pick up whatever you want to eat rather than going to a canteen which serves you a fixed menu right right, right. yeah and what do you guys expect from a patient Uh, uh so uh, we've already talked about it before and i would like to elaborate it on more that we mm-hmm. actually uh, except for them to be uh, very open and mm-hmm. free 
and we try our best to give them a totally non-judgmental uh, environment and an open and a friendly uh, environment and we expect them that if they have any concerns so i mean they should make a list of it so that we do not miss out on any of the agendas mm-hmm. and then of course in a lot of therapy techniques like cbt and all we have a lot of homework that we expect the person to do because mm-hmm. therapy happens in uh, actually in two ways so mm-hmm. one is in the room that is happening between mm-hmm. the psychologist or the counselor and the patient or the therapist mm-hmm. and the patient the other one is where what have whatever they have learned in that room they are actually made to apply it in their daily mm-hmm. lives outside that room with their family with their uh, colleagues and people around Right. So there is a lot of actually I mean we do call it homework or we call them tasks that we give them small little things to do. Mm-hmm. So we actually expect them to you know stick to them uh, meticulously but mm-hmm. all we do also understand that a lot many times people are not able to do so. Right. Right. So <laughs> we we do expect them to do it as much as they can. but if they are not able to do again in the next session we too take up that what what you know what the hindrances were right. that they were not able to keep up to the pace mm. so except for uh, being open and free and making a list of things they want to discuss what are the changes they notice in the first session and the second session or after doing that or if there is any you know deprecation or there is any enhancement or there is any betterment or they did not feel good at all or there was no change we just want them to openly discuss about it mm-hmm. yeah and what are the forms the different forms of therapies that are used here because yeah. most of the patients are very clueless as to what goes on in the therapy and what do they have to expect from a therapy there is a lot of ambiguity here so correct, what do you say yeah correct so again it's not a food mess it's not a hostel mess that you will come and be served the same menu every mm-hmm. day so and uh, actually the menu is decided by the counselor or the therapist themselves mm-hmm. and that actually goes in after we have uh, conducted the first session where we have had the complete background we have had a complete history their introduction what type of problems they are having Mm-hmm. and you know uh, there are a lot of analysis goes even if it seems like a normal talk between the therapist and the patient but there is a lot going on in the therapist's mind where we are actually uh, you know deriving results from the type of questions that we ask and the type of answers they have given mm-hmm. so that is when we conclude that how to uh, you know proceed with and what kind of therapy to give also uh, it might be possible that at one time itself we may be using a combination of a lot of therapies together mm-hmm. so uh, to go by name there are immense number of you know type of therapies that one can be given mm-hmm. so uh, the most common one being cognitive behavioral therapy cbt mm-hmm. that we call that so it's basically uh, uh, you know attacking at the point where an automatic thought comes to your mind given a situation so we actually attack at the point saying that okay now you have to figure out this thought that has come to your mind to the situation mm-hmm. is why is it there is it based on a past experience or your knowledge or was it a thought of someone else's that has been uh, coming to your mind or are you 
you know yourself thinking it so there is a, actually a chain of events that takes place after a thought has come to your mind you have an emotional and a behavioral reaction to it and then you have even a physical reaction to you that might be so uh, there could be cbt there could be dbt there could be rebt emotional therapies and emotional freedom therapies and then there could be uh, you know acceptance and commitment therapy there could be accelerated experiential dynamic psychotherapy then behavioral activation a uh, lot many types of psychotherapies are there there is uh, consciousness and awareness there is mindfulness and then there are um, existential therapy then of course there is a part of um, psychotherapy which relates you to arts and movement so there is movement therapy and dance therapy music art animal based therapy drawing painting i mean i i can just go on with the names like that so there are so many types of therapies available and the counselors and the therapists and psychologists are very well trained in them so they would sometimes either give you uh, one type of therapy or they would start with one and you know usually uh, slowly ease you into the other one perhaps according to your requirement or right away give you a lot of it together but yeah. of course it goes Depending in a very sudden ho- how patients uh, is reacting to it yeah. exactly exactly so but i mean the process is absolutely subtle and soft mm-hmm. it's it's going to be absolutely tailor made to your choices and requirements and needs and interests mm-hmm. it's not going to be hard on you mm-hmm. uh it's not going to feel like you really have to put in a lot of work mm-hmm. and i mean everything is made in a way so that you you know naturally get into the groove of it right yeah and what are the most effective uh, therapies here be it for an individual or for a group mm-hmm. uh i will say both mm-hmm. so a lot of times we also do group therapy so group therapy is nothing but uh, a number of people with the same uh, extent or the same type of concerns they sit together and there is a moderator and the moderator would actually you know initiate a conversation and then the 5 6 of them or the 10 of them we don't usually have more than 10 to 12 uh, patients at that time mm-hmm. so they would start discussing so what happens is mm, uh, this is specially done in patients who are not very equivocal individually okay who are not very open with their concerns when they are talking to the therapist alone so right. you know there's because even with talking to a stranger there is a little bit of inhibition that comes into one so right. to avoid or to avoid that we actually take into group therapy so what happens with group therapy is of course the sharing of experiences the second thing is um, maybe you had a question or a concern in your mind but you were not able to talk it out hmm. right. right but concern may prevail with n number of other people also hmm. so there is a possibility that another member in the group therapy would bring out that question or would bring out that concern and everybody would you know talk about it and then the moderator might give you a solution to it so 
the part that we talked about in the first session the unmet needs right right so a lot of uh, you know hidden unmet needs also get fulfilled and what happens is when you're sitting one to one in an individual session it's only a it's a bivariate conversation i'm saying and the patient is saying mm-hmm. but when there are five other people or six other people there there could be a possibility where someone might have come up with another type of a solution that neither of us would have thought about right so a group therapy is done like that for example um women are uh, women uh, suffering from reproductive cancers mm-hmm. for example even breast cancer they're not very open in the first few sessions even if there is a female psychologist mm-hmm. assigned to them but when we when they are sitting with say six other women mm-hmm. so there is a lot of experience sharing there is a uh, there is a lot of uh, you know feeling of uh, oneness and feeling that okay i'm not the only one who is suffering Mhm right there are so many others who are coping so even i can do that and there of course there is a lot of um you know feeling of um, feeling of resilience or feeling of strength that comes by seeing other people also going through the same uh, events that you have went through and you or, feel more relatable you know, to it yeah yes yes absolutely you relate to them more mm-hmm. you find the other's support right because a lot many times it happens even if i keep on telling you that uh, you do this you do that or other people do that other people do this mm-hmm. until you actually go see it with your eyes you might not believe me all the time right exactly yeah so group therapy leads to a lot of um, you know conversation it leads to a lot of sharing and relatability mm-hmm. and then further even uh, the same group and uh, the same groups they go ahead and you know make patient advocacy groups mm-hmm. or they 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 make sharing groups like that so mm-hmm. a lot of things can be done individual therapy is also equally effective mm-hmm. so uh, i mean there is no choice between individual or group there might also be a combination of both being used at several points of time in a therapy session mm-hmm. so individual therapy is also a very good option rather the most uh, chosen option by both the counselor as well as the patient because you get your own time mm-hmm. first of all those 60 minutes are all yours and then uh, there are a lot of things that you might not want to share in front of a lot of people right yeah and then there is a pace you know you can take as much time as you want we may go on discussing the same issue for two sessions also that might not happen in group therapy so a lot of things can be done so both the options are equally effective the choice uh, can be made by the counselor according to the patient's needs mm-hmm. uh, so we have already discussed this earlier regarding the patient's first visit to psycho oncologist but yeah. could you please elaborate more on that as to what all goes on in the session and yeah Yeah so the first visit would comprise of you know a basic introduction mm-hmm. uh by the psychoncologist to the patient as well as of the patient to the psychoncologist so when i i mean the psychoncologist would introduce themselves to the patient they'll of course start with their name their uh, perhaps uh, if they're certified or not what kind of qualifications they have what kind of you know specializations if they have mm-hmm. if they have had any experience in dealing with the similar problems that the patient has gone through 
and of course the psychologist comes with i mean it's preferable to come with the background knowledge about the patient right. so uh, and when the patient is asked to introduce uh, themselves to the psychologist they would start with uh, what's their age what kind of a family they are in if they are married or not if they have children or not um, you know what uh, type of cancer have they been diagnosed when were they diagnosed how mm-hmm. were they diagnosed or what's the stage of cancer they are going through what's the treatment even if the patient uh, the, the i mean the psychologist has a previous knowledge it's better to build up a rapport with the patient by asking them all of these questions right. or or you know initiating your that i see you are in this level of chemo so how do you feel about it mm-hmm. and i mean so uh, this is the kind of initiation that then you would uh, you know generally walk around the park uh, asking them about their general concerns that they have with their uh, you know mental or emotional troubles that they are having right. then according yeah then accordingly they would be uh, either given questionnaires or be slightly interviewed about this so that we are able to identify what type of problem they are having mm-hmm. you know if it's anxiety if it's only stress if it's like a cancer related distress or it's uh, the fear of recurrence or it's financial toxicity or it's depression or a combination of lot of things so uh, once the screening is done then we ask them uh, what concerns do they have that they want to address first mm-hmm. so uh, many a times people would have an answer to that many a times they would not have an answer to that mm-hmm. so then uh, uh, you know in the mind itself uh, i mean more experienced uh, counselors are able to do it much better so they actually figure out one key area that they would start with uh, and then you know slowly 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 release the knots as it goes mm-hmm. through the session uh, another aspect to is is mm-hmm. i see a lot of therapists going dealing with the patients day in and day out what mm-hmm. is your mental and emotional state of being because you wow. guys will be the one who see this things very closely so how do you move from one patient to another patient do you guys yeah. have time to cope with it and move on to the next one well i'm very glad that you actually brought it up mm-hmm. because no one actually talks about this mm-hmm. at present uh there's kind of a misconception or kind of a myth that um it, it's similar you know in childhood if i would see an eye doctor wearing a pair of spectacles i would i mean you know you you have that kind of curiosity in the mind that oh here's a doctor why is he wearing spectacles right <laughs> or, or or you know a doctor uh having some other problem having a fever per se mm-hmm. so you know it's like now we actually need to realize it's high time damn about time that doctors are also human beings right absolutely right mm-hmm. and uh, when it comes to psychologists and psychiatrists it's uh, rather more saddening to know that though we do have techniques to not get involved too much into the emotion mm-hmm. but uh, they don't work all the time when you are listening to a lot of problems and sadness say 8 hours a day or 6 hours a day at one point of time it does really take on to yourself also mm-hmm. so um, it's better to actually you know involve yourself in a lot of coping and grieving technique and also that comes through a lot of experience sharing so what i suggest is 
that you know uh, once in a week or bi-weekly or once in 10 days all the psychologists and all the uh, you know counselors of one facilities sit together and just discuss through what they've gone through the entire week hmm. so what happens is even if you are you know venting out even if you are letting it out of your system you do a lot of uh, coping up right so i mean that is also that we suggest to our patients hmm. that don't keep it all inside you just let it out yeah and the second part is um if you feel like crying just cry yeah uh, of course not in front of the patient hmm. afterwards <laughs> afterwards of course not in front of the patient afterwards because i think crying has been associated with weakness in our society right so we actually need to get over that misconception and we need to uh, see crying as a uh, as a let out of emotions hmm. absolutely so that's perfectly normal even if you're sitting with five other counselors who have had similar experiences or who have had worse experiences and we are crying in the group the uh, more the better more the merrier you know <laughs> so experience sharing talking about it uh talking to your uh, peers with it discussing the kind of uh, you know hindrances that you faced there is no shame in asking for help so if you are stuck with a patient at some point of time that in itself gives you a lot of anxiety as to how to proceed right so you can of always you know go and talk to a senior about it you're not going to be looked down upon that is also another misconception which creates a lot of uh anxiety in a counselor or in a therapist mm-hmm. and which is another hindrance in not letting you grieve with uh, the sadness or the problems of a patient so you go and ask for help any time and another thing is that there are um, not only with the psychologist or the psychoncologist uh with the doctors also the medical oncologists surgeons nurses mm-hmm. uh, radiation therapists uh, the ones who give you chemo uh, chemotherapy and i mean you know, all all these doctors are also at this point going through a certain a definitive burnout syndrome that we call it mm-hmm. so it's very important for them also to you know uh, participate in activities which can have them uh went out which can help them grieve because in today's uh, the lopsided doctor to patient ratio nobody has the time to uh, you know grieve before moving on to the next patient right because moving on to the next patients is uh, we don't have a choice the doctors don't have the choice we have to do it so there's no harm in taking a vacation once in a while mm-hmm. right. there is no harm in Uh, taking short breaks in between mm-hmm. then there's no talking to your peers of course it's healthy to keep a level of competition but it should not bottleneck level right and then i lot of times i suggest uh, hospitals and all and i think that start implementing a lot of like um i see a lot of hospitals they do a lot of things like uh, you know they have small aquariums in the hospital so the right. doctors can sit at some point of time and just feed the fish mm-hmm. or they have small puppy kennels there 
so i mean it's just mixing up because the, the, all of these activities release a lot of endorphins mm-hmm. inside your so when there is endorphins you are uh, more you know levelized to work in a normal way and then there are green rooms which would have a lot of plants and you can sit there and work for a while then uh, recently there has been an experiment which has been uh, implemented in a lot of hospitals in the US uh, which says that a closed room which only has blue lights mm-hmm. has known to reduce blood pressure and uh, the pulse rate if you are anxious so you know, such rooms can be devised so that you know a doctor can just go there and sit for 10 15 minutes and come back fresh right then um, there is something called as a doctor's spa which has been implemented in the UK for emergency department doctors so it's called the uh, ed spa ed spa so okay. all there is there are a lot of couches there are a lot of beds and there is a lot of good food mm-hmm. and a uh, good place to sit down and talk there are some relaxing books there are relaxing music so you can just sit down there for a while you can take a small nap mm-hmm. you can meditate in the rooms and another thing is um you know one could have a a, a wall mm-hmm. which could have a lot of posters blank posters mm-hmm. and you know whenever you feel like it you walk through the wall and you write something that you are thankful about or you show your compassion about something right. so it gives you a reason to work for all the time mm-hmm. so that gives you something physical that you can hold on to mm-hmm. as a as an external reinforcement to uh, you know cover up the negatives and bring out the positive side even better Right. Such small activities can be done, which are, uh, you know, extensively supportive and relieving your stress, mm-hmm. and they're not even that time-consuming. And then, of course, on the uh, you know personal level, there's exercise, there's good music, there's meditation. Yeah. And of and and yes, one most important thing that I want to say is, is that. you know doctors also come to therapy mhm and they should come to therapy right by therapy i mean the psychological counseling oh yeah 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 so they should come there they should discuss it out because there is a lot of confidentiality and nothing is going to go out mm-hmm. and there is no shame in accepting there is no shame in uh, you know getting a few coping techniques from the counselor right also with celebrities who are being very vocal about their health issues especially in specific to mental health issues uh, do you think mm-hmm. this is adding more strength to the society and if they are being mo- more vocal like how should one strike a balance how much should one let out and hold within yeah so answering your question is is adding strength to the society absolutely yes mm-hmm. because we rely a lot on the celebrities in this era influencers yeah right yeah there's a lot of influence by the celebrities when they're talking about it i see deepika padukone talking about it i see sonali bendre talking about mm-hmm. it right. i see alia bhat recently about so she was talking about her sister mm-hmm. so 
all these things is actually giving strength to uh, the masses saying that it's normal to talk about it mm. so definitely it's adding a lot of strength and i do endorse for the fact that more all i mean more people should talk about it more people in the influential uh, stage of their uh, uh, possibilities should talk about it as much as they can and uh, about the thing to i mean striking a balance between how much to let out and how much to hold within i think um, that's within oneself so we cannot uh, really put a weight to it that okay you hold down this much you hold on to this much and you just let this much out uh, once you have actually recovered completely you would automatically want to share your story in order to uh you know so that other people can go through it other people can read about it or listen to it and find a solution mm. to themselves also and feel uh, normal right that okay if this person had gone through this and i am going through this i'm not going through something which is different or which is unique or which is not not acceptable in the society mm. so there is no such balance though there is a fine line between um enforcing negativity and talking about it as much so there should not be any shaming involved right and rest is all upon you as how much you want to share maybe uh, people would not want to share a lot of personal experiences but an overall overview of what they went through that's also perfectly fine people who share a lot of personal experiences are also very well applauded because they can connect to people very well or others can connect to them well right. so it's all in your hands how much you want to share and how much you want to be vocal about it mm-hmm. it's all up to oneself also one shouldn't force uh, oneself to okay now since everybody is talking about it let me talk about it as well when it is not coming naturally to them what do you have to exactly. say exactly exactly so nothing should be forced mm-hmm. if you are not at a stage where you are comfortable discussing about it please do not do that mm-hmm. you so, should not talk about your experiences you could just spread awareness generally talking you should not then talk about yourself or what you have gone through one and um, rather it's it's much more uh, natural you know when you are fully recovered only then you find the strength to talk about it till then and i mean until then you are in a bubble you yourself are figuring out things for yourself it's not the best stage to help others at that time hmm. also uh, another question that i have is i actually mm-hmm. got this question from one of the followers on my instagram okay. uh, is that uh, is it any time that mental health really gets away mental health disorder really gets away from a patient or is it just like okay i have to de- deal with it throughout my life what do you have to say Get, to this gets away as in fully cured yeah because a, there are a lot of people who go with uh, uh, very traumatic situations in their life so keeping that in perspective yeah so yes of course there are times when people are fully cured of their mental disorders mm-hmm. and there are also times when someone something would prevail for life long mm-hmm. so it actually depends on how early you got it what type of intervention and the right type of intervention if you have got at the right time mm-hmm. 
so even when patients are on uh, you know antidepressants or ssris or like that so a uh, lot of times patients do come off the medicines lot many times patient don't need therapy anymore Mm-hmm. because they know how to deal with it and lot of times even uh, when ptsd is caught at the right time and is given the right uh, level of intervention mm-hmm. there's so many cases which we've seen i mean they have been uh, written about they've been published about that they're fully cured mm-hmm. so it's uh, first thing is caught early treated right Mm-hmm. if that's the case then y- you have high hopes mm-hmm. i mean the prognosis is very good another thing is the i mean the level of trauma or the level of disorder that you have mm-hmm. if it's in a very naive stage and it's caught at the right time of course we are able to uh, or the pay i mean the patient is cured of it but uh, if it's very severe and has prolonged for a long uh, time and it's not been given the right type of therapy or it's been spoiled or you know abused abused in the sense that prolonging mm-hmm. and not given the right intervention at the right time so i mean then the prognosis is a little bit shady mm-hmm. yeah the patient might need to be on medicines or might need to you know regularize therapy throughout their lives or for a long period of time i do not say throughout lives or uh, you know disorders like uh, schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or personality disorder things like that may prevail for a longer period of time thank you so much alakti for tuning in to all the listeners we have spoken about a lot of things from various perspective face uh, perspective from a patient family members and of course from the therapist as well i would suggest you to listen to all of them and do share it with all the friends and family let's together spread an awareness thank you again alupti for uh, uh, for just tuning in and actually helping me out with the entire interview as well because uh, to be honest i am actually not aware of what psycho oncologist the very first person yeah. that i knew about psychologist was through her and through her instagram page i would uh, suggest all the listeners to go visit her page and if you have any queries please free, feel free to ask her she's absolutely, absolutely. amazing person so please go <laughs> ahead ask the questions uh, she'll be available at any time Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Rather all my social handles, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook are open at all the time for anyone who wants to ask any questions or wants to share yeah. anything. Yeah, in fact I'll uh, give and, uh, all the details in the description box. So perfect. Go in ahead and ask her if there's anything that you would love to discuss to her. Absolutely. Thanks. And so, I would also take a moment to actually thank you for what you are doing. because um, i was rather not aware that you do not come from a psychology background as such yeah i did that so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just to know that uh, you have come up only by reading it on different platform and the uh, the fact that you felt the need to actually mm-hmm. spread awareness about it it's just amazing and the kind of work that you are doing is commendable So, so I mean rather thank you so much for having connected with me and having asked me to do this and I hope to you know 
keep discussing yeah definitely it's not <laughs> one person's job it's i think it's a collective Absolutely. work so to all the Absolutely. listeners if, exactly. if the you fact feel that, that you can do you can spread an awareness please feel free to come out and do whatever bit you can absolutely absolutely so we actually need soldiers the fact of the matter is not just spreading awareness we actually need to do everything yeah yeah thank you all again all right then thank you thank, thank you. you so much thank you so much